during this three months retreat. The daily readings have been from uh, Lumpur Sumato's teachings, mostly from the uh, the book, The Way It Is. And those were talks from a uh, winter retreat here at Amravati in 1988. And with Lumpur coming back to live here, being part of the community and offering teachings here, then during this time, his uh, his influence, his uh, offering of teachings, his example, uh, it's a very powerful presence for us. None of this that we have here, these uh, this community, these buildings, this uh, uh, this life that we have here at Amravati, none of this would exist if it was not for the initiative, the commitment, the practice, and uh, the wisdom of Lumpur Sumato. So this uh, time as our winter retreat comes to an end, I feel it's very, very appropriate uh, to consciously cultivate the qualities of appreciation and gratitude. We can get very wrapped up in our own particular dramas, our difficulties with our mind, our physical health, uh, community relationships, the responsibilities that we have or we, we want to have or we don't want to have, all the many and various things of our own, our, our own particular little world. It's very easy, natural for the mind to get drawn in, to entangle with these personal details. Particularly as this retreat time is coming to a close, just another couple of days, it's good to broaden the focus, open the attention to reflect, to consider, consciously appreciate. None of us would be here, none of us would have this opportunity were it not for Lumpur Sumato. His incredible generosity, his commitment, his faith, his energy, his wisdom. None of us would have the, the chance to look at our minds, be gathered together with this group of people, to have these supportive conditions. We might be able to find fault with various different aspects of things here, the people, the routine, the accommodation, the food, all kinds of things. But to widen the focus and to consider what we uh, have received, the blessings that have come to us from this, uh, this one being, Lumpur Sumato. So during this time, today, tomorrow, I encourage us to consciously cultivate that quality of gratitude, katanyu, Uh, in the Pali, along with Katanyu gratitude, there's a, a partner word, which many of you are probably familiar with, which is Katawedi. So the, the term that's often used is Katanyu Katawedi. So Katanyu is gratefulness, gratitude, that appreciation. Katawedi is what we do in response to that. Sometimes that's translated as a debt of gratitude, what you owe, 
to your parents or to your teachers or to the, the Buddha, the great ancestors of our spiritual lineage. But I feel the word debt is, is not quite accurate. It carries a, a stressful, burdensome tone to it. Kataveti is more uh, a natural response, a resonance of the heart, now, having been blessed, having been the joyful recipient of such kindness, such goodness, such abundance of, of uh, spiritual nourishment, then it's a, a natural, intuitive responsiveness that says, yes, what can I do? How can I, how can I uh, return the favor? What can I do to, say, demonstrate my gratitude, my appreciation? So katavati is that responsivity, what arises in the heart in connection with having been blessed, having been supported, helped, nourished. So whether that's to our physical parents or our spiritual parents or our ancestors or uh, whatever way we want to direct it, I feel it's skillful not to think of it as an obligation or a burden, a debt, but encouragement to find that place in the heart that, that seeks to respond to resonate with that, that great kindness. Reflecting on this then, uh, what pleases a, a teacher, most, whether it's a spiritual teacher or a school teacher, you know, anyone who's in that kind of a role, it's not just the, the students being enthusiastic or paying compliments, but the, the students actually following the instructions. Just as the, the Buddha commented to Venerable Ananda just before the Parinibbana, and Ananda was gushing about the extraordinary uh, demonstrations of faith and devotion by the devas and the people gathered around in the, the forest in Kusinara, the, Mandarava blossoms raining down from the heavens and the celestial music of the Gandavas playing in the air and zillions of devas and brahmas all gathered around and saying, this is amazing, this is incredible. Never before has the, the Blessed One been so honored, so revered, so venerated. Yeah, this is unprecedented. And the Buddha said, yes, indeed, Ananda. Never before has the, uh, the Tathagata been so honored, so revered, so venerated. But if someone really wants to revere and honor, respect the teacher, then they follow the teacher's instructions. They practice the Eightfold Path. So as usual, the Buddha was taking uh, Venerable Ananda down a peg or two, as they say, sort of deflating and, uh, him a little bit and redirecting his enthusiasm for... Uh, more skillful direction. So the way to uh, demonstrate our, our respect, our gratitude for Lumpur Sumedha's teachings, I feel is to 
to act on them, to carry them out, to hear what he has had to say, take it to heart, and let that be what guides our attitudes, our perspective, our actions, our speech. That's the best way of demonstrating katavetti. Follow the teacher's instruction. Of course, the ceremonies of asking for forgiveness or offering flowers and cards and uh, those kind of external gestures of devotion. Amisa puja, it's called. Uh, uh, reverence by material things, flowers, candles, incense. Those are beautiful, wholesome, gladdening. But the uh, the most powerful and most helpful is what's called patipati puja, the demonstration of devotion through through practice, through embodying the the teaching, embodying the dhamma. While listening to Lumpur's teachings over and over and over again, invariably he's emphasizing the quality of consciousness, or awakened awareness. This is the central feature of pretty much every single Dhamma teaching he gives. Comes to this being awake, being aware, consciousness. This is really the core of wisdom, it's the core of the embodiment of Dhamma, being Dhamma. But the techniques of concentration and insight, samatha and vipassana, they're geared towards the cultivation, the strengthening of this quality of awakened awareness, vicha. That's the, the what he would call the escape hatch, that's the, the liberating element, the path to, to liberation, to peace, is this very quality of of awakened awareness. This is what matters. This is the the uh, the essential element. All the other aspects of our life, the routines, the the precepts, the the verbal teachings, yeah, the traditions, the customs, the robes, the ceremonies, the work that we do, the responsibilities we have around the monastery the Dhamma books we read or, or write, all of this is geared to this one particular essential quality, being awake, being awakenedness, being Dhamma. That's what it's all for, because that is the one quality, the one element that makes a difference. All the rest are supportive conditions there, factors of the sensory and material world, the conditioned world, but they support that awakening to the unconditioned, the unborn, the unoriginated. Well, I like to quote the uh, dialogue between the Buddha and his uh, indefatigable inquirer, Vachagota, this... Uh, um, regular visitor to see the Buddha. He was a wanderer from a different sect, but was 
a keen disciple of the Buddha, came and asked questions many, many times. In this particular dialogue called the Agi Vachagota Sutta, where the Buddha used the sim simile of fire, he spoke to Vachagota about you know, the nature of his own mind. Vachagota had been trying to understand or discover what happens to an enlightened being at the, at the death of the body. Do they reappear somewhere? Do they not reappear somewhere? Do they both reappear and not reappear? Neither reappear nor not reappear. The Buddha pointed out he was asking the question in the wrong way. The way he phrased the question presumed a reality that did not exist. Just like asking if a fire, when a fire goes out, did it go north, south, east or west? The question doesn't apply. The way the question is put presumes a reality that doesn't exist. Reappears doesn't apply, does not reappear, does not apply, and so on. And the Buddha went on to, to speak about his own nature. And I find this is one of the most powerful and helpful liberating teachings in the, the whole of the Pali Canon. He said, that material form, that rupa, whereby one trying to describe the Tathagata would describe him, has been cut off at the root, made like a palm tree stump, deprived of the conditions for existence and rendered incapable of arising in the future. So too, Vedana, feeling, Sanya, perception, Sankhara, mental formations, consciousness. Any of the five khandhas that anyone would try to describe the Tathagata, that awakened, enlightened quality, that embodied vijja, if you like, those qualities of the five khandhas, they've all been abandoned, cut off at the root, let go of. The bridge is down, there's no connection. So there is the Tathagata, which is the embodiment of this quality of awakened awareness, consciousness, as Lumpur describes it. But it can't be described, it can't be defined in terms of the five khandhas. That bridge is down. There's no connection. It's totally transcendent. And the Buddha goes on to say, the Tathagata is liberated from being reckoned, from being measured in terms of material form, feeling, perceptions, mental formations, consciousness. Vacha, he is profound, immeasurable, unfathomable, like the great ocean. So right here in that, in that dialogue, it's indicating that there is this quality of awakened awareness as embodied in the Buddha, which refers to this, this buddho, this uh, awake, aware quality of our own hearts. It knows the five khandhas, but it's completely transcendent of them. That's why liberation is possible. If there wasn't some element of knowing, of awareness that is intrinsically transcendent, liberation would be impossible. This is why liberation is possible, because there is that dimension, that quality of knowing, that vijja, which transcends, which is not bound or limited by the five khandhas. And this is why we practice meditation. Vipassana is about 
clarifying, strengthening that quality of awakened awareness, taking refuge in that, embodying that, so that as we practice, being that awake, aware quality, then we know that the factors of the world, the body, feelings of comfort, discomfort, beautiful bright spring days, dark and rainy days, happiness, unhappiness, comfort, discomfort, gain and loss, those personal qualities are known by that awake, aware consciousness. The more that this is practiced in, and embodied in the practice, there is a genuine patipati puja of Lumpur Sumato. It's a genuine demonstration of gratitude, appreciation for his teaching by embodying it. Some people might hear this and think, oh, another emotional demand. <laughs> Life was difficult enough already. But I would suggest that those kind of self-centered reactions of, oh, I can't do it, I'm not good enough, I'm too confused, I'm so busy, I can't, I can't possibly let go. I let go of one thing with the right hand and then the left hand grabs something else. Those very inner conversations, monologues, those too can be known by this awake, aware mind. In itself, it gives no place to land for any of those perceptions. Another of Lumpur Sumato's favorite teachings is that phrase from the Kevada Sutta and the, the invitation to the Brahma Sutta, describing that kind of consciousness, the vinyanang, anidasanang, anantang, sabato, pabang. That consciousness, that awakened awareness, anidasana, which is non-manifest, which is formless, transcends the, the realm of form, anidasana, anantang, limitless, not bound by space, sabato pabang, radiant in all directions or accessible from every side. As the Buddha says in that teaching, this is where long and short and coarse and fine and pure and impure can find no footing. This is the heart that knows the person, the world arising, doing its thing, passing away. That which knows the person isn't a person. That which knows the world is not limited or tied to the world. It's attuned to the world. It knows the world. Lokavitu, but it is Lokutara, it transcends the world. This is the Buddha way, this is the potential that we, we all have. And by embodying this reality, embodying this quality, this is how we most perfectly and completely demonstrate our appreciation, our gratitude for the teacher.